Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, Stephen's currently away on holiday, and he's asked me to help out making sure you guys get your Reddit stories. So let's get into them. Well played, Anne Marie. Well played. My name is Anne Marie, and I've been in a coma for the most part of my young life. I'm currently in my early 30s. Uh, as I was in a coma for more than eight years, this was a result of serious jealousy on the path of my best friend, Juliet. Initially, I had planned not to tell my story to anyone, as later on I found a way to get back at Juliet, but it just felt this had to be said. My story had to be told to at least somebody, and that's what brought me here. My story goes as far back as 18 years ago. This was back then in high school. I guess you could say that this was the peak of my life, as I had basically everything any girl could dream of. I was the captain of the school's cheerleading squad. I had the opportunity of getting the guy every girl could only dream of, to which I turned him down, because back then, it seemed like such a fun thing to do. My parents were very well off, as my father was practically a multimillionaire at the time. This was because of the inheritance left to him by my grandfather, his late father, and also his work as a successful real estate manager. Money was never a problem for me and my family. My dad always made sure to teach me the value of money and to make sure I never felt entitled to my family's money, as back then he told me that if I were to grow up with a character that he found distasteful, I would receive nothing from his enormous wealth. Not to pat my own back or anything, but I most definitely turned out to be the model daughter. I was always the best in my class. I tried my possible best as to not disappoint my father in any way. But at one point, I came to a sad realisation that being lonely was also a package deal that came with being born into a family like mine. Throughout my childhood, I basically had no friends as I was barely allowed outside the gates, and this ultimately prevented me from having friends. Back then, the only places I was allowed was my home, obviously, school, sometimes my dad's office, and then on weekends, church, and on rare occasions, my mum would take the entire family out to my grandparents' place. If I truly was ever going to make a friend. But as all friendships start, it was a very random occurrence when my family and I were coming back from my grandparents' place one evening. And then, due to one event triggering another, our family came into contact with another family's car when we were nearly at our place. It was neither of the parties involved fault, as the traffic light was obviously faulty, and neither my father nor the driver of the other car could have predicted that occurrence. Basically, there was supposed to be some exchanges at the time. It seemed like it was going to be physical, as I knew very well. My dad does not take it lightly, anyone that messes with his cars. When my father came back to the car, he said he had invited them over and to try and treat them for the damage he caused. I had no idea what was going on. I just went with the flow at the time. When our car came to a halt at the entrance of our home, I stayed behind to see the driver. And there she was, the daughter of the driver, my new best friend, Juliet. This was the very first time I was meeting a peer of mine in my own home. I was so happy. I, I did not know when I asked my mum if I could take her to my room and show her around. My mum agreed without hesitation as she saw how happy she was to see my peer. Apparently, she knew how lonely I felt when I was at home. Juliet and I hit things off right away, and at first glance, one would think that we'd have been friends for quite a while. We became thick as thieves right off the bat. 
What even made things much better was when I found out from her that her parents had just moved into the area not more than two months ago and that they were just getting to know the new environment they'd found themselves in. It was on their way back from their little family outing that very day that we both happened to stumble upon each other and I also found out that she was going to be attending the same school I was as her parents were still indecisive as to which school their little girl was going to attend. I was so excited, mainly because of the fact that I was getting a new friend who was in my age grade and she was also literally in the same grade I was. Since I had no friends at my school, this was a big step up. Juliet and I were at one point mistaken for sisters as, as once school has ended, the driver my dad tasked with bringing me back home safely would already be waiting outside and on almost every occasion I had made it so Juliet would always come along with me. Then the driver would drop her off at her place. At this point, it seemed like nothing could go wrong as I had thought that there was no particular reason that could ever make Juliet and I get into any altercation of any kind. But there was a particular event that took place about a few weeks after we had gotten back into school. So apparently, since I was the leader of the cheerleading squad, I was practically the one in charge of the entirety of the cheerleading squad, as I was the one that had final say in most matters regarding the management and affairs of the cheer squad. So on this day, as usual, after cheerleading practice, I went ahead to my final class of the day and met up with Juliet before the school hour ended. So while we were in class, Juliet made it known to me that she wanted to join the cheerleading squad. This came as quite a shock to me, mainly because ever since I'd known Juliet, I'd never heard her mention that she ever had an interest in the school's cheer squad. At the time, I did not even know what to tell her, so I just asked what it was that motivated her to join the cheer squad. She was a bit shy, and I immediately know what was her driving factor. Apparently, there was a guy she liked and she felt like this was going to be one of the ways she could use to get his attention. Everything became clearer once I took a step back and analysed properly. I knew what I had to do. So I immediately nominated her for the position in the squad. However, to avoid favouritism talks among the girls in the squad, I just put her amongst the reserve members, just in case, and then she can push her way from there. It got evident at around a few weeks later that, for one, she was not making any attempt to even try gain this guy's attention because I asked her to show me who this guy was that she was having a certain fondness for and she tried her possible best to avoid the question whenever I brought it up. So I just mostly left the matter any time she behaved this way. I don't know whether it was because she was feeling insecure of me or whatnot, but I was just trying my best to help her out as at one point it felt like she was not ready or willing to make her move or go forward with whatever it was that she had planned out already. So I took the initiative as a friend and I found out by myself who the guy she was doing all of these things for and I ultimately found out on my end. Apparently he was one of the guys I had already turned down before and to my great surprise he was also on the school's men's basketball squad. He was very close with the captain of the team who had once asked me out before to which I had to turn him down to which I had turned him down. I had no prior information as to whether or not she knew Bradley and I knew ourselves. Being overly thoughtful for my friend, I went ahead to meet up with Bradley. He and I had a very long conversation, as it had been quite a while since we had spoken. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We tried to catch up a bit, and then I brought up the matter of Juliet. I tried to tell him about the crush Juliet had for him and what she was going to do to get his attention, no matter how little. I had noticed that no matter the amount of effort Juliet was putting in trying to ensure that Brad noticed her, it was all for naught, because, as Brad made me know, he had no idea whatsoever what she was trying to do, who she was, or how she felt. After a very long, deep, and intense conversation, he assures me that he would try to pay more attention to her, as he found her very attractive, and he would like to get to know her more. I was very happy, because I thought I was doing something good for my best friend. Little did I know that from here on, things would take a terrible turn. So, apparently, some other girls I'm in the cheer squad with saw me and Brad while we were talking, and they took some pictures that they used to tease me when I got back for training the next day. And since I was already asking around as to who it was that Juliet was interested in and all, some other rumour was already going around the girls that I was planning on taking the guy my best friend was interested in. At the time, I had no idea that there were some other things brewing in the background. Through the power of the girls and their unique ability to spread any kind of information, a fabricated story got to Juliet's ears. Till today, I do not know what kind of news or story was formulated for Juliet. What I do know is that whatever it was that she was told was what drove her to do what she did to me the next day. So the next day in school, I tried to tell her the good news as to how things went with Brad and that he was interested in her, but I received the cold shoulder from her all day, and I was confused as to what I'd done at the time for her to behave the way she did. When we finished classes and left for practice, I noticed she was glaring at me. This was strange, as I had no idea why she was behaving this way to me. As far as I could tell, there was something she was harboring in her mind at the time. I just did not know what, and it scared me, mainly because I had never seen her act this way before. So, as usual, we went for practice, and while we were almost done, I, as the captain, decided that we should bring on those that are on reserve today, and I sent for someone to call over Brad from the boys' section of the field. While I was secretly awaiting Brad, I tried to stall for some time by arranging the girls for our usual routine, which is where I would be thrown up really high by the guys and caught by both a guy and a girl. So we were basically deciding which guy and which girl to use for the routine. I just went with Juliet as my first choice as I wanted her to show off a little bit while Brad was around watching as I had already sent for him. I thought this at least would put us back on talking terms and I could ask her what happened between us. When Brad arrived, I waved at him to come and have his seat before we started. I am most definitely sure I saw this glare from Juliet. It sent chills down my spine because it felt like she was going to do something bad. When I was thrown up the first time, she let one hand down while she was trying to catch me. And on the second throw, my life literally flashed before my eyes as my vision went black. That was the last thing I remember. The next thing I remember after opening my eyes was waking up in a hospital. I couldn't place exactly where I was, but I just knew that I was in a hospital. The nurse ran outside to call the doctor as I struggled to get my back off the bed. I felt a bandage on my head and this sharp and searing headache. When the doctor came in, he tried to calm me down, make sure I was functioning properly and all. 
and then he tried to catch me up to speed. Apparently, when I went blank, I was rushed to the hospital, and I was put in a medically induced coma, which was supposed to be stopped, and I was supposed to have woken up a few days later, but this was eight full years ago ever felt that confused in my entire life. My parents rushed in and I could tell that a long time had passed. My dad had grown out his beard and there were some white patches of grey on his head. My mum looked so worn out and tired as tears dripped down my cheeks. My parents rushed to give me a hug as they tried to comfort me and catch me up to speed. They tried to ask questions as to what happened back then, but I just couldn't remember at the time. The doctor said my memories would come back with time, but I would need rehabilitation as I had not moved my muscles in a long time. My rehabilitation lasted for close to five years, as I required mental and physical rehabilitation, and my dad was ready to spend any and all amount so as to see me well again. Fast forward six years after I had gotten out of the coma, I was already done with rehabilitation after four years, but I still had sessions which lasted for a year. Then I went back to complete my high school exams. But I wasn't willing to go ahead with college as I was practically offered a position to work with my dad from him. And my dad already left close to 75% of the business management to me and I was in charge of finances. It seemed like I was already getting my life right back on track. But as the doctor said a few years back that I would regain my memories with time, I was still having this feeling that there was something I just can't seem to remember. And notes I had not seen Juliet in the six years since I woke up from the coma. Until one day, one of my father's old clients, as he told me at the time, was looking to collect a loan from him for personal use, but he couldn't let out money without my approval as it was funds from his business. When my dad informed me of this, I immediately set up a meeting time with the client at the main house, It was a very old client of my father. When the client came in, the headaches that I thought had gone at the time came back in full force. And when the person that came with my father's old friend came in, the headache got even more intense as I started bleeding from my nose. I immediately excused myself from the room as I went to the bathroom. While I was in the bathroom, the thing that I couldn't place that was on my thoughts all these years finally came to me. I finally remembered and she dropped me while we were having cheerleading practice because of something I had no idea of at the time. I tried to compose myself and think how I was going to play this out. From what my dad told me, they were in desperate need of money to save their business, and they were looking for a private loan. I just made up my mind to flat out turn them down on the spot, as I planned to tell them that it would not profit us in any way. I also made sure she didn't know I remember everything, because my father already told them I've lost my memory. The rest is history, as when I broke the news to them, I literally drove them out of our house, telling them not to return again. A few months later, while my dad and I were going on a trip on our way to the airport, I saw her and her father by the roadside, practically homeless, and I thought to myself, well played, Anne, well played, and we drove off. That was the last time I ever saw her. Well, it seems like taking you out for eight years really backfired for her. I mean, eight years, a lot can change in that time, and I guess it's just good that Opie's dad managed to keep his business going and uh, Juliet's parents, well, it looks like a very different story for them. But I suppose that's just how karma works. You know, you, you knock someone out, you take eight years off their life, and then that means you have eight years of bad luck. It's like breaking a mirror. I told my ex's potential employers that he was dead. Snooping saves lives, guys. I snooped on my ex's phone and what I saw shocked me. Imagine the love of your life being your biggest hater online. My ex and I were friends for a year before we started dating. The first time we met was when I was in sophomore year in college. He met me at a Christian student fellowship that my then roommate and cousin forced me to attend. 
Okay, not forced. She just made a big deal about me going to church with her if she did something for me. He was at the church because he was starting to find religion interesting and wanted to explore it. We exchanged numbers and became chat buddies. He asked me about my stance on religion and I told him that I was indifferent. I just didn't care. He was, however, trying to be religious and I supported him. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. He asked me to be his girlfriend after our first month of endless conversations and I refused. Why would you just ask me to be your girlfriend? What happened to ask to take me out? I just didn't think we needed any kind of formality again, he replied. He wasn't wrong though. We had talked for so long and knew everything about each other. There was no need to pretend that we needed to go out and spend time together to know each other better. Still, I wanted him to ask me out on a proper date. Since he didn't, we continued being friends and it was that way for a while until one evening. He was in my dorm room, and we were talking about his unusual interest in snakes when he kissed me. I kissed him back, and boom, our relationship started. I soon learned while my ex did not ask me out on a proper date, he was dead broke. He was knee-deep in student loan debts, and he was getting zero support from his family. I, on the other hand, had a very supportive family. We didn't have everything, but my parents saved a lot of money to pay for my college tuition. Shortly after we graduated, we decided to move away and live together. I started a blog and created video content on social media too. Gradually, I gained fans and people started to watch me and read my blog. I also started to make some money from what I was doing. My boyfriend, on the other hand, was still getting his master's degree whilst refusing to work at all. He felt he was too qualified for minor jobs, but also believed he couldn't take any serious job because he had to focus on school so he could graduate with good grades and go on to be a college professor. He talked big about his dreams, so I trusted and supported him in every way that I could. The most painful way is financially. I was financially responsible for him in nearly every way. I paid our bills, got him clothes, put gas in his car, and paid for our food. Sometimes I even cooked. All he did was go to school, study, and complain about the economy and government. At this time, my name was getting out there. Many people knew me. They would try to take pictures with me when I went out with my ex-boyfriend. The guys made passes at me. I was invited for speaking engagements. Brands reached out to have me advertise their goods and all that. Things were going quite well for me and I was happy. It looked like my ex was happy too, but he in fact resented my success. And never mind the fact that he was not willing to do anything for himself. He held the camera up for me whenever I wanted to record and he was around. He let me use him for playful videos even when it was inconvenient and I, in turn, appreciated his efforts. Shortly after he completed his first master's degree, he said he wanted another degree. I didn't like that because I had looked, because I had looked forward to him chipping in around the house and I was tired of his refusal to work. But I tolerated it anyway and let him go back to school. This time, I could not hide my resentment anymore. The blogging market had gotten heavily saturated and I had serious competition. I wanted him to work so I could save some money. One thing about the fame business is your fame can go as quickly as it came. There were hardly any guarantees, so I knew to save as much as I could before moving on to other stuff. But it wasn't possible to save as much when I was the sole provider. I started to bother my ex about getting a job. 
I'll get a job soon, he'd promise, each time, but then he wouldn't. Finally, after a full month of nagging him, he agreed to get a job immediately. Since he already had a master's degree, I thought he'd find something related to his major and earn a decent income like most people, but he got a menial job instead. I couldn't believe it when he told me. I waved it off as a joke, but was shocked to see him put on the uniform the next day. It was nice to work there when you're a teenager trying to save up to take your girlfriend on nice little dates, but that was no job for a grown-up man. I was irritated, and I tried very hard to conceal it. If that's what he wants to do, let him. I'm sure he'd quit the job in no time when his friends and ex-classmates walk in on him doing something that odd while they make six figures. That was the advice my friend gave me when I told her about my boyfriend's new job. She was right. He quit the next day because one of his friends from college came in with her toddler. I felt like a loser, he said to me. Listen, I'll talk to my friend. If there's an opening in her company or any other job she knows, she'll tell us and she'll help you snag an interview. Thank you, but you've already done so much. I didn't understand his comment, so I assured him that I wanted the best for us and the family we're going to have. I spoke with an ex-classmate today. He promised to let me know if there's an opening at his company. Okay, but we can tell my friend anyway. That won't hurt. I'd rather you don't, he said somewhat aggressively and walked away. Now, my ex wasn't usually aggressive, so I blame myself for putting so much pressure on him. He'd always assured me that he knew just what he was doing and had big plans and all, so I was going to have to trust that. I kept trusting that my ex would get things right until after he finished his second master's degree and started talking about going to business or law school. Um, I was ticked. He was gathering lots of knowledge and had zero experience. He wanted me to give him a loan for business or law school, but I refused. I realized that he was actually scared of putting himself out there, hence why he kept garnering knowledge and refusing to get anything done. I need to go to law school. I see myself making it as an attorney. I was irritated. He said the same thing about being a college professor, and he had big dreams of working in a financial institution too. I tried to explain why I couldn't loan him more money. People no longer care that much about knowledge. In today's world, experience is more important. All right, he said, his face expressionless. All right, does that mean you won't go to law school anymore? You know what? Just forget it. I was so stupid that I actually followed him around the house, trying to get him to take my money from me, but he refused and said he'd find another way. Look, I don't want to bother you. You already do so much for us. I let it go and asked my friends for advice the next day. My ex was lazy about getting a job, and he was also untidy and disorganized. He made a mess everywhere, and I always had to make him clean up after himself. It was frustrating having to remind an adult to do something that should come naturally to them. I think you should let him find his feet, or maybe recommend a therapist. Something's wrong. My other friend disagreed. I think you've spoiled him. He doesn't see the need to go out there and get a job because... You've made it easy for him not to. I bet he'd be out there on the streets looking for a job if he stopped providing his every want and need. You know what? I agree with that, my other friend said. That weekend, my friends and I met to discuss how best to wean my ex off me. He's a good man, I kept telling them. I just need to figure out how to get him to stand up and do something for himself. I did really believe that he was a good man. We decided that I'd start lying about how much I was making and complain more about how I wasn't making as much money as I normally would. One Saturday morning, one of my friends called me and asked me to check my direct messages. She had sent me a link to a social media blog. I clicked it and immediately saw a picture of myself with a nasty caption. Someone had started a page anonymously and was slandering my name. The article gained so much traction that everyone was talking about it. Some people argued in my favour and others argued against me and agreed with the anonymous social media user. I broke down in tears. Up until that moment, I had managed to maintain a scandal-free life. 
I hardly got into arguments with anyone online and I avoided trolls and blocked them on site. As usual, my boyfriend was supportive. He helped me to record a video to debunk all the lies the user told against me and even helped to talk to a friend of his who promised to help me fish out the culprit. Unfortunately, the faceless social media user did not stop. The page became an official hate page for me. They took pictures of me and scrutinized everything I did. It was depressing, but my ex-boyfriend and friends kept me going. While all this was happening, I stuck to the plan to lie to my ex about my finances and the quality of our lives reduced drastically. I made him believe that I wasn't getting as much money as I used to. The whole issue with the anonymous account helped because he assumed that was why I stopped getting as many deals as I used to. We kept managing the little resources I could pull up, but I noticed that he started talking more about getting a job. As usual, it was all talk, zero actions. One day, he suddenly woke up with a zeal that I could not comprehend. I wondered what had changed, but I didn't want to think too much about it. What mattered to me is that it's what I wanted and that it was finally happening for me. My ex wasn't just actively talking about job opportunities, he was seeking them and checking different social media pages for job seekers. He finally got a job he wasn't so excited about. The interesting thing was that even after my ex got that job, he was still very lazy about helping me financially. He hardly ever wanted to chip in and I figured that my friend was right, I'd spoiled him. He didn't like his job so he kept looking out for better ones. Not only did my ex's attitude to work and zeal to make money change, but he also became more meticulous about looking good. He started to pay attention to details and a lot more. The change was so drastic that I went back to my friends with my complaints. Wait a minute, your boyfriend was always on the couch, was messy, you had a problem with that, now he's being organised, you still have a problem with that? My friend rolled her eyes at me. I know, it's just weird, isn't it? No, I don't think it's weird. I think your boyfriend is becoming a better man for you. He probably feels bad about all the things that have been happening and is trying to rescue you. I think that's great. I agreed with her and decided to start appreciating. His dedication came in handy because business actually became slower since the controversy surrounding my name. He made more money from his job and he was very proud of himself. He still wasn't moving his weight around the house, but I stopped paying for his stuff. I sometimes wondered why he didn't deem it fit to buy me anything nice since he was making money. I thought jewellery would be nice, a nice bag or a gift of any sort. My ex became very serious with his career and his hard work soon paid off. He was invited for the first stage of an interview at a huge reputable financial institution. He prepared so much for it that even I was surprised. I didn't think he had it in him to be so focused and ambitious. He went for the first interview and that was it. They didn't reach out again. He was so worried and kept checking his phone and computer to see if they sent a follow-up email. Each time he checked, he'd seen nothing from them and he'd get very frustrated. Around this time, a hotel owner invited me to come over to their hotel and give it a good rating. My accommodation and feeding were on the house, also they let me bring a plus one. I thought it was a great idea to take my boyfriend. We needed a break from what we were both dealing with anyway. He had quit the job he had and was hoping earnestly that the interview would work out. I also had to deal with negative comments from internet users. We both needed a break, and we decided to go over to the hotel and enjoy some alone time. We also agreed to let our phones be while in the hotel. When we were alone at the hotel, didn't have to deal with distractions from social media or his job applications, I realised how meaningless and empty our relationship had become. In fact, it had been bad for a while, but I'd been putting up with the rot and really trying hard to patch things up. My ex and I didn't really have anything to talk about. We hardly even had any deep conversation and I noticed he was avoiding me. On our third day in the hotel, he said he was going for a walk and I nodded. When he left, I suddenly felt the urge to snoop and look at his phone. And before you judge me, it was because I'd become very suspicious of him. Something just wasn't right. 
I looked through his phone and got all the information that I needed. The first was devastating, but not as devastating as the second. My boyfriend was cheating on me with a college senior, and it wasn't just that. He was also sending her money. She was the reason he suddenly became serious about his career and appearance. Cheating was something I could handle. My dad cheated on my mum three different times in their marriage. I was used to, and even normalised cheating, but nothing prepared me for the next level of betrayal that I discovered from snooping through my ex-boyfriend's phone. My ex created the hate page that was talking crap about me. I found it very hard to believe that all along. I'd been living with my biggest hater, someone who hated me enough to open an anonymous page with the sole purpose of throwing shade at me, making people hate me. I burst into tears and nearly cried my eyes out. Luckily for me, an older woman who worked at the hotel knocked on my door. I'd asked earlier for them to change the towels and she came to drop off the fresh ones. She met me crying and asked what was wrong. In tears, I told her what had happened as briefly as I could. Well, he's done what he wants to do. The question is, what are you going to do about it? Stay here and cry about it, or be grateful that you caught him and move on with your life? It was as though the woman had said some magic words. I immediately got up from the floor and started to pack my stuff. When I was done packing, I wondered why I was packing. I'd only been at the hotel for three days and I didn't have to leave. I decided it was best for my ex to leave instead. From the chats I read, he'd probably gone out to look for a phone so he could speak with her. Just as I was unpacking, after doing my packing, my ex's phone rang and I picked it up. It was the company he applied to and told him that his application was accepted and asked when he could start. I didn't plan to or anything, but I just found myself telling them that my ex was passed away and that I was his sister. They sympathised with me and ended the call. I went through his email and deleted the acceptance email that was sent to him, but that was after sending them an email to inform them that my brother had passed. I never confronted my ex about what he did. When he came in, I told him to drop the keys to my house and leave. He did, without asking any questions. And sometimes, I wonder if he left his phone around for me to catch him. Well, whether he left his phone there on purpose or not, I mean, it seems like he was getting a free ride. You were paying for his house, for his food, for his studies. She must have really loved this guy because he sounds like a total bum in every way. Honestly, good riddance. And as for that phone call... Yeah, he definitely deserved that. I mean, he'd spent so long dragging his feet eventually trying to get a job. Surely he can go find another one now that he apparently has uh, such a big zest for life. Well, that's all the time we have for this video. Hopefully you enjoyed these stories. And if you want more nuclear revenge stories, check out this video. Other than that, I'll see you next time.